Welcome, Warriors, to another edition of Outreach Warrior. I am your host, James Baker, joined by my awesome, always working hard producer, Tom. Today we have a very special show for you, a very special guest. He's actually my father-in-law. He's been my father-in-law for many, many years, and he has a ex- huge background in the military. He's a seasoned veteran. And the definition of outreach is to extend or the length of the length of reaching out. So I know we talk a lot about homelessness and we talk a lot about outreach locally, but it's also about helping your community in many other ways. Peter Burdett, my father-in-law, who is joining us today, has served his country for many, many years, and he continues to serve his country. Peter was a Navy pilot in the Navy. He has a huge resume, but I'm going to let him get into that. And he currently serves on the civilian aid to the Secretary of the Army in New Hampshire. So we're, I'm going to let my guests get into that. We're going to talk a little bit, and then we're going to also get into some issues about homeless veterans here in New Hampshire. And so, Mr. Burdett, Dad, yeah. Peter, welcome to the show. <laughs> well, welcome um, to the to the entire gang, and I hope we get uh, a nice, great uh, viewership uh, from this uh, cast of uh, visuals. Um, I do serve as the civilian aide to the Secretary of the United States Army, so you're wondering to yourself, okay, if he served in the Navy, why is he uh, with the Army? Well, the um, Army is the only service that has civilian aides, and we act as a conduit between the states that we are residents in and um, and the secretary directly. So we have secretarial Washington appointments. And um, every state gets at least one. Now the state of Florida has got like five. So if you're uh, from Florida and central Florida, um, you, you do have a, um, a couple of civilian aides, the secretary of the army right in your town. So if you're an army veteran and you've got some issues, you wanna be um, you know, calling up uh, Landy uh, Dunham D-U-N-H-A-M. I've talked to him on a number of occasions uh, when I when I visit uh, the Orlando area, and and he's a really nice guy and can uh, reach out and uh, you know, solve uh, the larger scale army issues. Um, so if there is a, an army issue going on, um, you know he would be a, an individual to reach out to because he communicates directly to the Pentagon and to the Secretary, as I do from the state of New Hampshire. And of course the secretary gets to communicate with me and I pass it along to my crew here in the state of New Hampshire. And I'm involved in a lot of veteran organizations here in the, in the state of New Hampshire. But Landy's a pretty neat guy living in Orlando. And um, I don't think he'd have any issues at all with me giving you his um, um, cell number because he wants to hear from veterans. He wants to hear from army. He wants to hear from those that um, can make change and improve things for veterans across uh, his area, central Florida. His number is 703-975-2000. 
0734. And I'm going to say that again. 703-975-0736. He's a really nice guy. I talk to him regularly. And um, he can take care of things for you. And as I do in the state of New Hampshire. Now, the state of New Hampshire is, um, you know, everywhere we have veterans that are homeless. And um, it's, it's not a singular problem, just the veterans. You know, homelessness is uh, endemic uh, for a whole bunch of reasons that we don't need to get into here. But I guess the real question is, what are we going to do about it? And I think that um, in the case of anyone, if you know somebody or if somebody wants to reach out for help, the number one source that I talk to everyone about when they have a difficulty is to call 211. Now, I usually say New Hampshire 211 because you can also go onto the website and go up nh211.org. But I think that um, in this particular case for you all, it would be uh, Florida 211. And uh, given where you live and given your zip codes, and um, you should be able to tie straight into uh, the social resources that you might need to uh, get help for anyone that you're working with. I think that um, in the state of New Hampshire, how we work it up here, and I got involved in helping 211 work their issues um, in setting up what I call the Veterans Protocol. So if you called um, um, in New Hampshire, the 211, you're gonna get a New Hampshire operator and they're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So call them and try them out if you wanna find out more about it. And they'll talk to you about that. If you offer services for um, you know, homeless or if you offer services for veterans, call them up, talk to them about what you offer and they'll put you into the list and then keep it updated. But um, if you call and identify yourself as a veteran, they should ask, but sometimes they don't. Identify yourself as a veteran. There's a whole nother page of the book that we turn up here in New Hampshire for veteran services, and they're plentiful. Um, one other item that I wanted to also address right from the start is that I think it's critical for those that offer services for veterans um, to um, ask the question um, of anyone that you're meeting in, whatever venue it might be, um, hospitals, schools, um, churches, um, anybody that offers services to anybody for anything ought to be asking the question, have you or any member of your family ever served in the military? Now, if you ask that question, you got, of course, you got to be prepared to ask, uh, to answer um, if they say, well, yeah, I did, or my wife did, or my husband did, or my youngster does. Um, because if, um, if they say yes, you got to know where to go next, right? So um, have some of these um, services um, that are local to you um, tucked away. So what's an example of one of those services that we've got up here in New Hampshire? Well, um, I serve on the executive committee of a program called Easter Seals Veterans Count. Well, Veterans Count was a, is an organization that was put together about, um, well, let's see, I got to count it up in my head. I guess it was a bunch of years ago now. It was in 2007. 
and I've been involved since the very beginning, um, they uh, look for uh, donations, they collect donations, and then they use those donations to support veterans uh, throughout the state of New Hampshire. We've expanded those chapters <clears throat> over to um, the um, Vermont, Maine, um, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and, um, and these organizations are in place to give a hand up to a veteran that needs it and his family. And I'm talking about veterans from any era, any service. There's, there's no pre-qualification. If other than if you were a veteran, you're going to get uh, some help from Veterans Count. And, um, and as veterans don't normally present with issues in only one mode, uh, this wouldn't just be um, modes of um, homelessness or possible future homelessness, but also if you were having trouble getting a job, if you needed help with your resumes, if you needed help with um, transportation to get to your job, um, this is where you could go to get some um, help and assistance to get that hand up financially or otherwise to um, get yourself into the groove toward um, um, assistance. And um, this also includes what we think is the most effective way of serving um, anyone. And that's to have a care coordinator at Easter Seals that helps in each individual case with the details of tracking that um, individual through the process of getting applications for whatever benefits that they may qualify for from whomever may be um, offering it. A lot of times it includes the VA. A lot of times it includes um, other veteran services or other veteran uh, volunteer groups that might offer transitional housing or um, you know, food, or um, in some cases we contract with um, oil companies to deliver oil in the middle of the winter and that kind of thing. We also have uh, contracted in the past with people who want to you know, give away an automobile. Well, we can give away an automobile, give them the tax uh, um, deduction for it and fix that automobile up and then uh, give it to the veteran so he can get to his jobs on time, which is really critical if you're going to keep a job. So um, anyway, those are some of the things that I've been doing up here in the state of New Hampshire um, that are primarily focused on um, reaching out to those that are um, homeless or near homelessness. And um, here in the state of New Hampshire, we have gotten a lot of communities to effective zero homelessness. Now, why do I say effective homelessness uh, uh, solutions where we've got zero that are effective homeless? Well, because um, a lot of times some of these homeless veterans just don't want to come in at all. They want to stay where they are and uh, stay without an address and stay, quote unquote, homeless and not attached to a roof. However, in our view, if you're uh, homeless or soon to be homeless, the best way of getting your life back on track is to get the roof over your head and then get the other services you need to um, be able to sustain that. And, and that would be in cases of um, lower, um, you know, substance abuse, um, getting your resume squared away, getting that job, getting a, a, an income that's going to be sustainable to keeping that roof over your head 
and um, receiving all the benefits for rent subsidies and things of that sort. So it gets a rather um, complex uh, process. And that's why we use a care coordinator because it's so complex in a lot of cases that a lot of people don't know how to run down that path and stay on it. So we- Well, that's something that we, um, we, we, we've talked about uh, quite a bit and that's where we kind of yeah. use this podcast to promote um, awareness and where to go because uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people facing homelessness or that are in homelessness right now that don't know where to go. And there are, and from my time working in the shelter and everything, there are so, and this is down in Orlando, there are so yep. many programs yep. that are there to help, but they just don't know. And that, and like you, you call them care coordinators, we have caseworkers, like they're there, that's their job and they do a great job. And yeah. But then when we talk about the substance abuse as well, that kind of goes hand in hand with, with, you know, being homeless and the drugs are out there and they fall into trafficking. But yes, get them out. Like you were just saying, Peter, you know, the first step is to get them into, get them into a house, you know, get, yep. get them under a roof and then go from there. So that's awesome. I just want, and I would love for you to get into um, just your, your background, how you started in the military and what, what you did. Oh, sure. Um, you know, I, I was just merely walking through the student union at, uh, when I was going to college back in 1970. You know, think about what was going on during that time frame. Um, 1970, Vietnam was still on full, full uh, blown um, um, activity. So here I am walking through the student union, and um, I um, I get challenged by these uh, two white uniformed, uh, you know, naval officers. Uh, hey, are you good enough to fly Navy aircraft? And you know, kind of stopped me in my tracks, and I kind of took a look at them, and I go, sure. And then they said, you want to prove it? And I says, what are you talking about? He said, well, yeah, take this. Um, you know, it was a form of the um, ASVAB for um, spiritual orientation and so forth. So I, I says, well, I can't take it right now. I got to go, go to a class. So I went to my class. I came back. They were still there. And they gave me the exam. And, uh, they, you know, if the aircraft's doing this, what's the ground look like? And if the gear is going this way and, you know, 15 gears later and they're all different sizes which way is that gear going? And, and so it was a mechanical spatule or um, orientation kind of uh, quiz. Well, I'm, I passed it. And so they, they got really excited and they took me for a flight in their T-34, which they had parked at a local airport. Very exciting. Uh, a lot of fun. And, um, and so, you know, I didn't get sick all over the inside of the aircraft. And I really enjoyed the flight. And so now they're really excited about me joining the Navy. And they offered me a, they offered me an opportunity to get a flight physical. Well, and so we made arrangements to do that, and it included another flight, but this time from South Weymouth up in, on the uh, east coast of uh, Massachusetts. And uh, so I passed my flight physical and um, went flying a second time, and it was gorgeous and fun. And and so I had to try to make a decision: uh, what do I want to do on graduation from college? Do I want to exercise my teaching degree and go to a a high school or a YMCA or something like that and and teach? Or do I want to uh, let the Navy spend well over a million dollars on teaching me how to fly uh, various types of aircraft? Hmm. Travel the world, stay home. Travel the world and have all kinds of adventure or stay home. So Guess which one won? <laughs> I joined the Navy, served for 21 years and some small change, retired, and having a uh, retirement from the military is a wonderful thing as far as health care and all kinds of other benefits, including a regular 
uh, retirement income. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer. Um, I flew all over the world, um, did all types of uh, deployments, uh, served the nation flying helicopters and fixed wing all over. Um, I flew the H-53 helicopter, which is the largest free world helicopter at the time and still is. Um, now they've upgraded it to even bigger, but um, it was a two engine uh, single rotor Sikorsky helicopter and um, a real um, suburban kind of um, flying type of vehicle, not really a sports car. But I was able to do a whole lot with it. I mean, we could drive two Jeeps up the tail end and carry them places. And a very flexible platform for um, enjoying a lot of things um, as I went um, and, and flew it all over the, flew it all over the place. Um, <clears throat> then um, after Desert Shield and Desert Storm, I went back to uh, Meridian, Mississippi, uh, running the airfield there and, and retired after 21 something years. And, uh, and I retired to the state of New Hampshire, you know, my home state. And um, I've really enjoyed it up here. And but being a restless kind of guy, I got involved in a lot of veteran organizations, the Military Officers Association. Um, I talked about Veterans Count already. Uh, I've been part of uh, a, a group called the State Veterans Advisory Committee, which um, the committee was put together with the idea that state government often doesn't know what to do about veterans. So this was put together way back in a zillion years ago now, and um, something you know in the early two two thousand, so two thousand and two, somewhere around there. And um, our task as the state veterans advisory committee and a lot of other areas can do these exact kind of things was to give advice and guidance to the governor, the executive council, which is a strange New Hampshire thing and both uh, chambers of the uh, New Hampshire General Court, our House and our uh, Senate. And so if a bill comes up that sounds like it's a veteran bill, we scrutinize that bill to make sure that it's gonna do well for veterans and it's not uh, something that's too weird or restrictive or going to um, cost veterans benefits. And, um, and we fix it. We advise, uh, we advise the, those that are gonna be voting on the bill as to whether or not it makes sense or not by going to hearings and providing written testimony. And um, if it's a bill, the State Veterans Advisory Committee, which consists of um, you know, 20 uh, veteran service organizations all gathered together to talk about veteran stuff, if it doesn't pass our muster, it won't pass. It just doesn't happen, it disappears. And, um, and a lot of bills that, um, that we like but aren't quite right we help to rewrite them and to make some changes to so that they'll be better suited within the state of New Hampshire. And if we like a bill, guess what? It passes. <laughs> it's amazing. So uh, well, it's, it's it sounds like the politics. It sounds like you're keeping very busy up here in your retirement. And it's uh, up here in New Hampshire. It's beautiful. You picked a great place to great place to retire. Wintertime, it gets a little, little chilly, little chilly. But yeah, that's why some, I go to Central Florida on occasion. <laughs> he's got Peter's got it. He knows he he knows what to do. Yeah, it's summertime. You can't you can't beat it up here. Uh, well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today, and we would love to have you back. I know there's tons of stories you have from the military and about your service. Um, 
but we are running out of time. Again, thank you for joining us, Peter. It's great to have you. Hope you enjoyed it. And hopefully we can have you back for a part two. Well, I think a part two really makes a lot of sense. And uh, <laughs> uh, what I would encourage uh, listeners to do, if, if, if they've got some questions, if they're wondering about, well, what is all this about? And uh, how can I do some of those same kind of things where I live? Um, I want you to feel comfortable about reaching out to the uh, you know, podcast in whatever manner that they have. And uh, they can pose a question and we'll uh, see about answering those things during a part two rendition of this. Absolutely. And if you have a story, know someone that has a story. Or if you'd like to get in touch with Peter and ask him a question via us, please reach out to the Gmail at outreachwarrior at gmail.com. Check us out on Reddit at r slash outreachwarrior. Again, Peter, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Warriors. And we'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Bye now. Yet I feel so lost Men will do just what they please Never count the cost And who's gonna help me find my way back home my